morning, everybody. Uh, just while we're sort of still in that, in that place of reflection and worship, I, I'd love just for a few moments to hold a few people, that we would together hold a few people before the Lord in prayer. And um, so over the course, since we were last together, there's some needs within this community, particularly within our churches or fellow churches in this community. Gary, who, who leads the church up here in the Church of Ireland, Gary McMurray, his, uh, his dad had a really bad fall. Uh, his dad had a really bad fall and he's currently laying in intensive care in the Royal Victoria Hospital. And, uh, and so I'd love us, to, I was talking to Gary this morning, I'd love us that we would just continue to hold his dad before the Lord in prayer and that you would continue to do that throughout the week. Jackie is his dad's name. And um, I don't know if you've heard me mention before, but uh, just up Irish Street is where the Quakers meet. Um, and uh, I know they don't necessarily have a leader, but if they were to have one, it would be Charlie Lamb. And, uh, and Charlie Lamb this morning is lying in Lurgan Hospital with uh, taking a stroke. And, um, and uh, not long after one he had, quite recently as well and um so i'd love us to pray for charlie and, and just again if you ha if you've heard me saying this before forgive me but charlie is one of the people that i whenever i turn 90 i want to still be like charlie because uh we get together as often as we can church leaders in this community and um and we talk about our strategies and we talk about our sermon series and we talk about our our fancy logos and all of that sort of stuff and charlie could not give a rip Charlie could not care less, and he waits until the conversation comes around to Jesus, and then he comes alive, and the man still to this day at 90 years of age cannot help but weep at the mention of Jesus, cannot help but weep at the thought of what he's done and who he is, and so when I turn 90, Charlie. Charlie's in the hospital this morning, I'd love us that we would, that we would pray for Charlie, and, uh, and also in conversation this week. Um, Oliver Brennan, he leads the church uh, out in Stonebridge, the chapel out in Stonebridge. Since April, uh, Oliver's been lying in his bed, virus, uh, unwell, sick, just needs healing, just needs a touch in his body. Oliver, this morning. Uh, and while we're at it, why don't we just Clive, the Alistair, Presbyterian, and Nick. For those three guys, I'd love that, that throughout this week we just continue to hold. So can I do that just now? For okay. And then we're going to pray for one more thing. And then we're going to open up the Bible. Father, uh, we thank you for what we've sang. We thank you for what we've done. More than more than we could ever have dreamt or imagined, God. More than any desire or longing we have to encounter you or engage with you, God, you. That's where you are. Sweet long for us to come to that place where you are. So we thank you for that sign. Knowledge that you come and be among us. And um, so... Today, God, as, as family, God, as this, as this community of faith, 
meet in here. God, we just want to hold before, hold up some um, men of faith before you. Men that have experienced the kindness of Jesus, experienced the filling of your spirit. And, and we're just praying for them now that they would experience uh, your closeness. They would experience um, God in the midst of their pain, in the midst of uh, real sickness. They experience something of your presence and your joy and your peace. And so God, I pray that Charlie would, would know it right now. That Oliver would know your presence, God, and your presence would bring healing. And for Jackie, God, and for Gary, and for the whole family, we pray that you would bless them this morning. God, we just pray for a miracle in this situation. God, we pray that you would heal the bones. We pray that you would, uh, God, you would fill his lungs again. God, that you would um, just have your hand upon him right now. God, you would be with Gary and be with even just the church as they rally around him and support them in this challenging time. And uh, we just thank you for this village. We thank you for this community. And we, we just honor and celebrate and cheer on uh, Nick and Alistair and Clive, God, and what they are doing to see your kingdom come in this place. And uh, so as they gather right now, as they open up your word even now, they worship you. I pray that all of us together, God, we just have an experience of meeting with you today. That would impact us, that would impact us for the sake of this place that you've called us to, to love and to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. Nigel, come on ahead. Let us pray for, let's pray for you. It was incredible last week to be able to send, uh, to send the guys to um, Jordan and be able to pray for the guys as they headed on, headed to Haiti and uh, and so Nigel's going to be away next uh, next Sunday morning really early and uh, so I just want, wanted him to let us know what we can pray for and then invite the guys that are going with you and let us lay hands. It'll be um, a great month just with the team. Most of that work will be at Papa's house, working with Anamika and Amit and 18 of our children that we support. We'll also have opportunity in Siliguri to work with different churches, including Reuben. So it's going to be a good, stretching, warm month for the girls. And uh, then I'll be there for another month until the 2nd of August doing different activities in different parts of India. Thank you. We have Paulina, Anya, and Yana. Paulina, Anya, and Yana, do you want to come on up? Let us pray for you. Um, I'm going to ask Puma to pray. And uh, and if there's anybody, why don't, can we all stand? Is that all right? Because uh, I think I'm convinced you pray your best prayers when you're standing. Nothing theological about that at all. Just making it up. But um, if you want, if anybody wants to come and just lay hands on the guys, um, encourage them um, by gathering around them, encourage them by praying over them. Uh, do that, and then Puma's gonna Puma's gonna pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have uh, once more time just to uh, lay hands on these uh, young uh, people, Lord, and for Nigel as well, who's uh, going to India. We, Father, we just uh, want to bless them, Lord. We want to send them with your 
biggest blessings, Lord. We pray for their protection, safe journeys. And Father, we just pray for um, your intervention, Lord, uh, while they're there, that you do something in them and through them, Father, to bless the beautiful nation of India, Father. We thank you for that nation, Lord. We pray for what's going on for the recent elections, Lord. I just pray your will to be done, Father. I just pray for protection, Father, for, for your church and the uh, growth. And Father, I just pray, Father, that they, as they go there, Father, that they will be a blessing, Lord, and they will be blessed, built up in their faith. And uh, Father, we just thank you for them. We bless them, Father, and uh, be with them in everything they do, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Puma. The young people and Nigel. So this morning, I would um, I'd love to, I'd love to almost piggyback a wee bit on the on where where Darren and Lauren uh, brought us to last Sunday morning. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful to have Darren and Lauren with us. I felt like they stirred stirred the evangelists among us on the. Uh, challenged us with our responsibility towards uh, the people and uh, the places that we have all been called to. And, uh, and, and Darren spoke a wee bit about responsibility, didn't he? And uh, he took us to Romans chapter 10, uh, that, uh, those words that Paul said, how can they call if, on the one if they have not believed, and how can they believe if they haven't heard, and how can they hear? without someone preaching to them and how can they, how can someone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, uh, and so we just heard, we just really heard loud and clear the heart uh, that, that God has stirred within Darren and Lauren. And this idea that they have taken responsibility for the calling and the gifting that, that God has placed on them. And, uh, and, and again, Darren challenged us, I suppose, throughout his, his, uh, his time with us. He said how so often we, are, we can debate and argue and fight about things that ultimately we are not responsible for. And that's bad enough, but it's, at the, it's negating the very things that we actually are responsible for. And, uh, and so I've just been really challenged by that. And I felt I've just held on to that all week. And I found myself in, uh, on Tuesday, found myself on Tuesday in, uh, in Bambridge, and I was visiting a couple called Neil and Sarah. And Neil and Sarah have established a work in Bambridge um, called the J29 Project. And so when you walk in through their building up in massive, this massive mural on their wall is Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. And... Um, and I, and I sat with them and they shared their heart and they shared how right now, uh, or a few weeks ago, believing the call that God had placed in their lives, and Neil handed in, his, handed in his notice. And then just the day that I had came to meet with them, Sarah had also handed her notice in, believing that what God had placed on them, what he had called them to, uh, required a, a 
and a real surrender, a real sacrifice, the price to be paid. And we heard something of the sacrifice, what, what Darren and Lauren, the sacrifice that they've had to pay, that they are going to pay to pursue the call that God has placed in their lives, to, to, to pick up the responsibility that he has placed on them. And I felt the same thing as I sat with Neil and Sarah here as a couple, and I listened to them talk about their town. I listened to the, the, the language they used as they talked about the people that were far from Jesus within, within their community, within Bambridge. And again, it almost felt like I could he- was hearing loud and clear they're taking responsibility for their town. And I heard it in Darren and Lauren's story, and I heard it again in Neil and Sarah's story, that they have been moved with compassion. And I couldn't help but think of, of uh, I think it was Luke 19. Um, Luke 19 tells the story of, and we're going we're gonna to look at the, at, the, at the same story. That's the account of it in Matthew 25. But in Luke 19, we're told of the, the, the master who came and gave five talents uh, and the one that we're going to look at, five talents, two talents, and one talent. But in the, in the version we have in Luke 19, it's slightly different to the one that we have in Matthew 25. But he says that now that you have been trustworthy in a small matter, you're now going to take charge of cities. You're now going to take charge of 10 cities, or you're now going to take charge of five cities, or whatever it was. And so I listened, I've listened to, to Darren's story, and I've listened to Neil and Sarah's story, and I've seen that once, once someone has been moved with compassion, they can be entrusted with cities, they can be entrusted with bigger things. Once, once they have been faithful in the small things, once they, once they have been found trustworthy in the small matters, they can take charge of more. And so I sat with uh, Neil and Sarah and reminded me so much of Darren and Lauren's story, only they've got triplets. <laughs> they have uh, I'm, I'm not comparing the, the sacrifice that has been made both of them, both couples are playing a sacrifice but the three ten year olds uh, Noah, Ruby and Grace they're paying a the price too they're, uh, they're part of this journey of, of faith that their parents have stepped into and so I share that in, in, a, in a way to, to encourage and to ins- inspire that that is what people are doing uh, around our part of the of the nation today, but I do it once again to challenge you with this language of responsibility, this language of being faithful to what has been entrusted to you. That's why I love it that we would just take a look at Matthew twenty five this morning. Um, Matthew twenty five, and I'm going to read a relatively chunky part of this. We'll go. We'll start at verse fourteen. And, uh, and we'll go down to verse 30. So let me read it. I'm reading it in the, in the NIV. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid 
his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground and see here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you were to if we were to trust Darren's research that he shared last week, there's no reason to doubt it. Um I just haven't done the same research that he's done, but we in Northern Ireland we are the most reached with the message, with the story of the good news of Jesus, the most reached uh, part of Europe. And we sit next door to the most unreached part of Europe. And there's another parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12. And at the end of that parable, he says to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. To the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And so, so with all of those things going around in my head this week, the weight of that. And so I know that for many of you in the room today, you've, you've heard this parable and you've probably heard this parable preached on and I am more than likely not going to say anything, unfortunately, that you maybe have not already heard. But I just, I, I suppose there's times when you can read a parable and then you move on to the next parable. But there are times when something that Jesus has said really really causes you to stop and, and, and take a moment and to consider what it is that he's saying. And so as I think about, as I suppose as I think about our, our, our nation, this most reached, most gospel-saturated part of Europe, we have been given much. We have been given much. We have been entrusted with much. Much is demanded, requir required, asked of us. 
depending on what version you're reading. There have been gifts entrusted to us. This is what this parable is, is telling us. There have been gifts that have been entrusted to us. For each one of us in the room this morning, gifts have been entrusted to you. And, uh, and that word entrust, for some reason, it just, for, for me, I don't know whether, because I've just, it's been the word, that, it's been that word and word in my head all week. It just feels like such a deep, rich, like serious word. Entrusted. He has entrusted to you. Gifts have been entrusted to you. And that means that you have been, responsibility has been given to someone. This word entrust, it means that responsibility has been given to someone or, or so, along the lines of proper use of something. So, so it's entrusted, it's a given responsibility to someone or it is the proper use of something. And as I've just tried to meditate on this parable over the, the last few days, I'm increasingly realizing that gifts, these gifts that have been entrusted to us come with purpose and they come with responsibility to be invested in others. Gifts have been entrusted to us with purpose. They come with purpose. These gifts that we have been given, they come with purpose and responsibility to be invested in others. Your life is your life. You can do with it what you want. Language, I'm sure. Sentiment, I'm sure many of us in the room are comfortable, are aware of, um, have heard. Maybe not that exact line, but something along that train of thought. Your life is your own life. You can do with it what you want. And within reason, that, that is true legally. Within reason, that's true legally and it is definitely true culturally. It is true culturally. And I'm sure you have heard it over and over again. You'll have seen it in your Facebook feeds. You'll have seen it in the debates that, you, uh, that you'll witness on social media or just in the world in general. It is your life. You can do with it. Your life is your life. You can do with it what you want. And as true as that is legally, within reason, as true as that is culturally, it is 100% not true biblically. It is not true biblically. And so your, the gifts that have been entrusted to you, the life that you have been given, the time that you have been given, Is exactly that. They have been given to you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, who has no shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift it comes from him. It comes from above. And so the gifts that you have, the life that you have, the time that you have, is something that has been given to you, something that has been entrusted to you and so for every one of us in the room this morning you have been given a gift so that you can be a gift see the gift that you've been given it comes with purpose 
and it comes with responsibility to invest in others. And so I would love you to remember lots of what I say this morning, but I want you to remember this. You have been given a gift so that you can be a gift. You have been given your life. You have been given your time so that you can give it away to others. I can't not talk about this and not uh, think, lead us to the example of Jesus. My favorite, one of my favorite things that Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I say it's one of my favorite things. I don't know if I mean that or not. It's one of the most uh, challenging, remarkable things that Paul says. Maybe that's better way of putting it. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has exalted Jesus to the highest place where he sits. It's where he sits now waiting for the day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But I want again to remind you, I have needed to remind myself of this this week. I am made in the image of a God who gives himself away. I am made in the image of a God who empties himself who pours himself out for the sake of others, who gives himself away to invest in others. We are made in the image of a God who does that. We are made in the image of a God who doesn't play it safe. And, uh, and so I think of those, I think of the, the two couples, I think of Darren and Lauren, in many ways not playing it safe. I think of Neil and Sarah as they're bringing up three kids not playing it safe, pouring yourself out, giving yourself away for the sake of others is not playing it safe. We are made in the image of a God who, who doesn't play it safe. And I, and I knew that I had a book, something along those lines, and I, and I found it, and I'm maybe going to have to go back to read it, I found it this morning, a book I bought a few years ago uh, by a guy called Mark Buchanan, and it's entitled, Your God is Too Safe. Your God is too safe. And I remember, being I remember being challenged by that years ago and it feels like I've come back as I, as, as, as Father always has, has to do with me. I'm coming back around full circle again and he's reminding me, Neil, your God is too safe. And I can't help but think for those C.S. Lewis fans in the room, can't speak about this without acknowledging what Lucy the conversation that Lucy enters into with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And Lucy wants to know, Aslan, he doesn't sound safe. Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver, like, he's incredulous. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. Of course he's not safe. And, we, and that's where I'm wrestling with this week. I, wanna, I have no reason to serve a God who, who, who is safe. He's not safe, but he's good. As Mr. Beaver spoke, said of Aslan, 
We're made in the image of one who gives himself away, who empties himself, who doesn't play it safe. And I, and I have been so annoyed this week because as I've went, read this over and over again, as I've read Matthew 25 over and over again, I'm longing, I'm wanting to find myself identifying with the guy who was given the five talents. And I'm wanting, I'm, well, if I can't identify with him, well, I'll ident- at least let me identify with the boy who had the two talents. But over and over again, I'm like, God, I feel like I'm this. I feel like I'm the guy with the one talent. And I'm like, I'm upset because somebody got more than I got. Like I'm upset, I'm like I'm, and I'm going to hide it because I'm, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. I'm, I'm comparing myself to what other people have got, and I don't know whether that's the, I don't know whether that's the frame of mind that this, that this guy was, was thinking through. It was so, it was so frustrating, so frustrating to identify with this, this guy with the one talent. And how often do we do that? How often do we get upset because we, the, the, the little that we have in comparison to the more that everybody else have, and so we, we. Uh, we maybe get upset or we maybe get offended. We live in that place of just comparing ourselves to other people, which I think I've talked about before, just that curse of comparison. It's an awful place to be in. And I don't know whether that's where that guy was in. Anyway, I looked at the thing. I've only got one. Well, sure, what different? If these guys go in and, and, and double the lots that they have been given, sure, what does, what does my little bit matter? What does my little contribution have to, will that, what little difference will that make? And I felt the Holy Spirit remind me this week that the remind me of that verse that I've already touched on at the start. Trustworthy in the small things. Trustworthy in the small matters if you want to be entrusted with more. And so for some of us in the room, maybe you do identify with the, the guy that had the one talent. You feel like there's little in your hands. Maybe you feel like there's little in your head. I'm not saying that you're stupid. I'm saying that there's sometimes we just don't know exactly where we're going. Sometimes we don't know exactly the next step. But the little that we have in our heads, be faithful to the little that you do know. Be faithful to the little that you do have in your hand. And so as I said, I've come back full circle. But but that's where I'm wanting just to sit. And maybe for some of us in the room, maybe that's where a few more of us need to sit just for a bit. It would be faithful to what he has entrusted to us. Regardless of whether it is little in comparison to somebody else who is more. Regardless of all of that. The Eugene Peterson, in, in his translation of this parable, whenever he is, uh, whenever he is paraphrasing the response of this guy with the one talent. He says, I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I did nothing. And I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if some of you are there right now. Maybe that's the point for some of you. Maybe that's the point where you feel like, ah, I know I identify with him. Afraid that I might disappoint you. See, some of us have, a, have, a, have an understanding of the Father that just, it just needs to be broken. It just needs to be broken. And we, and we, and we live in that place of being afraid of, of using the little that we have in our hands or, or going ahead with the little that we have in our heads because we feel like we might disappoint them. 
when all along he's just longing that his children would take a risk, that he is, he is kind enough and good enough and, and he is strong enough for us to take a risk. But we, we become afraid that we might disappoint him and so we, we do nothing. And the response, again, Eugene Peterson paraphrasing the response that the master gives to this servant, it is criminal to live cautiously like that. It is criminal to live cautiously like that. And so as, I, as I think of Neil and Sarah, I am stunned at the risk that they are willing to take to invest in the lives of others. And they've opened the doors of that, that place. It's next door to the Ivy um, movie studio in Bambridge. And they've taken a risk to invest in the lives of others. And I think, I'm pretty sure they still don't know where their money's going to come from. But as they relayed the conversations that they're having with the most vulnerable and the most uh, broken and the most needy people within their community, as they've showed up and surrendered and, and, and paid the price, taken a risk, decided no longer to live cautiously, to invest in other people. Reminded, they've been reminded that they have this responsibility to invest in others. And the little that they have in their hand right now, and the little that they have in their head right now, they're going to invest it. They're going to invest it in others. There's an acknowledgement that they are made in the image of the one of one who doesn't play it safe. Dallas Willard. As you hear all of this this morning, as you consider some of the things that you already know, as you consider some of the things that I'm saying that you already believe, let me share this quote from Dallas Willard. Again, another moment that stopped me in my tracks this week. We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it, we believe something when we act as if it were true. We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it, we believe something when we act as if it were true. So I know that if I was to go across the room this morning and I was to ask, do you believe that Jesus is all that you need? I know that for many of us in this room, we would say, yes. You would say, yes, I believe that. You, be, you would believe that you believe it, but the challenge that I'm wanting to offer you today, the challenge that comes from Dallas Willard is that you're, whether you believe something or not is when you act as if it were true. And so is Jesus all that you need? Is Jesus more than enough? You believe something when you act as if it were true. And Shane Claiborne pushes that, I think he pushes that thought 
maybe a wee bit further. He's challenging Christian people on a, on, a, on a blog post. He's saying to Christian people, what if, what if we not only believed in miracles, but we lived in a way that might necessitate one? What if we as Christians not only believed in miracles, not just say that we believed in miracles, not just believe that we believe in miracles, but live in a way that might necessitate one? I'll share some thoughts for us from, from Matthew 25. A few brief thoughts from Matthew 25 and Philippians 2. And some stuff for us is to continue to challenge us about the responsibility that has been placed on us, what we have been entrusted with. And so I want to just take this moment to lead into the, the, the announcements with this idea of what we are responsible for and as a church family we are responsible financially for a few things we have been we have been entrusted with a with an orphanage in venezuela and so as church family when we give we're 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 saying we are responsible we're taking this responsibility seriously to the to these young boys and girls that have been entrusted to us Robert and Lois. Robert and Lois are heading away to, to um, Zambia again on the 3rd of July. And I'd love it. There's just a sense of ownership. No, we don't need permission from them. We just, want, like, we just want to be able to take a sense of ownership of these guys. We want to, be, we want to, we want to know that we are responsible. We have been entrusted over and over again. I say I am stunned that this couple... We have the privilege of this couple sitting in our faith family, in this church family. And so we want we give, we're, we're given to what they're doing, we're given to the incredible work that they're doing in Zambia. And so if something that has been entrusted to us, we give to the work of Home for Good. I sit on the board, the advisory board of Home for Good as, as representing this church. And we give to that because we're, we're taking responsibility. We've been entrusted with something. We've been entrusted with a position. We've been entrusted with responding to the needs of boys and girls, the 250 kids in Northern Ireland that still need a home. And we're coming to the end of fostering Fortnite. And so your responsibility at the very least is to pray. Responsibility at the very least is to, to pray for for these kids to pray for those who are looking after them. And we've been entrusted with the living room. We've given responsibility. As we long to take up responsibility for our community, as we long to be res take responsibility for the community that he has placed us in, we've been given the living room, we've been entrusted with that. And so it continues to be a place where where we pray, where we open the doors, where we show up and see who it is that, where it is that we intersect with our community. And so in light of that, we are there tonight at, uh, at half six. And um, thank you, Anastasia. 6.30 tonight. And uh, 
These are, these are normally the nights that David, the fourth Sunday that David takes. But I'd love to share a story tonight around uh, a real life story of the impact that praying and continue to show one up in the local community can end up having if we persist. If we stay and continue to pray, and continue to have our hearts broken for the place that God has entrusted to us. And so we're going to talk about the story of Jim Simbala tonight um, and the work of the Brooklyn Tabernacle and where it started from and what God did among them and some of the stories that have came from that place. And so I just want to share that tonight, hoping that it'll stir encouragement and faith among us. Also, increasingly, not only are there things that we're responsible for as a, in our giving, but I think the language we've tried to use over and over again is that we aren't responsible for, there's responsibilities long enough to, to, to carry for the place that we're called to, for this place and for our land. And so with that in mind, I would um, I'd love to, um, I'd love to make you aware of the YWAM border walk. So YWAM have been, this is their ninth year that the guys have, have just walked the length and breadth of this, this land, praying for peace, praying for reconciliation, praying for God's kingdom to come. And so on the 3rd of June, the 3rd of June, they'll be, they'll be making their way down to this part of, to this part of the island. And, uh, and so they're going to be in, they're going to be meeting at, on, thir- on Monday, the 3rd of June, 9 a.m. across McGlynn. And, uh, and so I know this maybe isn't going to suit everybody. It's not going to suit everybody with where work, work is concerned. And it's not going to suit everybody uh, where fitness is concerned. Because <laughs> we're going to be walking from Cross McLean to Katy, which is apparently 16 mile. And, um, and so if there is anybody that wants to be involved in that, join in with the guys from YWAM just to encourage them and to take our responsibility for praying for the peace and reconciliation for the kingdom of God to come uh, in this part of the world as it is in heaven. And, um, and so we're going to, if you can't make it on the, on the 3rd of June during the day, um, we're, we're wanting to invite you, we're wanting to take some guys down to uh, the Tommy Mackham Center in Katie that night. And so Johnny Clark, who heads up YWAM in Ireland, is going to be... Um, is going to be sharing a panel discussion um, around peace and reconciliation, stories of hope, stories, songs, and stories of reconciliation. And, uh, and so it's going to be at 7.30 that night. And so the YWAM guys are going to be coming to the castle. They're going to be getting fed. They're going to be getting showered. And then we're going to head to this event together with them. And so I'd love it that some of us would, um, but maybe if you're free, you would join us for that night. It's... Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And as we continue to consider our uh, responsibility uh, for our land, this, our church is part of the Tabar network of churches. I have the joy of sitting on the lead team of Tabar. And so again, we just want to make you aware of this conference that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's uh, 14th and 15th of June, uh, £35 per person for the two days. It's going to include your lunch and all your meals uh, and uh, we would love you to be a part of that. Not just for the sake of uh, filling a seat 
But for the sake of acknowledging we are responsible, this is our watch, this is our time, and taking up responsibility for what he, he has called us to, what he has entrusted us with. And so there's some of the things that, that are going on. There's some of the things that I feel like we, he is inviting us, the Father is inviting us to, uh, to take responsibility for things that he has entrusted us with, people that he has entrusted us with. So Jenna's going to come and, and, uh, and sing one last song. Um, Monday, Monday morning, tomorrow morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to get together to pray as we normally do uh, in the living room, 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. And um, So if you're free, come and join us. If not... Let us, uh, let us pray for you, whatever's going on in your life, in your home, your, your neighborhood. Let us pray. And uh, here's a few more photographs that Jason's just sent. Trying to show that they're not, it's not all sunbathing that they're doing. Is there many? That's it. Proper stir, Neville's good enough, boy. Let me uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for um, thank you for the guys in Haiti. Would you bless them uh, as they worship together today? I pray that you would bless them, encourage them, encourage the church in Haiti today. Father, I pray that the guys would um, would carry something of your heart and expression of your hope, God, into the into the church environment today. They would um, strengthen and put uh, courage into them, God. Uh, for all that we've talked about, for all that we've prayed for, all the things that we've acknowledged that we're a part of, um, we thank you for all of that. But God, just for a moment, we just uh, we just strip it right back and come back to to ourselves, reminding ourselves. Thank you for the things that you've given to us corporately. Thank you for the responsibility and what you've given to us corporately, what you've entrusted to us corporately. But God, we just want to acknowledge that you've entrusted gifts to us individually. You've entrusted and given us purpose, gifts with purpose and responsibility to invest in others. And so God, would you challenge us with that today? And would you even show us who it is that you're calling us to invest in? Would you even show us who it is that you're calling us to, to lay down some time, to lay down some uh, of, our, um, of our gifts, to lay down some of our stuff, God, just for uh, the sake of investing in other people. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cause us to be reminded today of the little, the little maybe that we feel that we have, but we have been given something. And the little that we do know, but we do know something. And so we pray that you would um, help us, God, just to wrestle through with some of this with you. Help us to sit with the challenge of some of this with you. Thank you that it's your, it's your longing that we would enter in to our Master's happiness. Come and share. Come and share in the Master's joy. Come and, and, and join in this partnership that I've been longing for. 
thank you and bless you in Jesus' name.